0: So it's not the money, it's, how it cons- it's, your own, it's your thinking, how much it consumes your energy and your time and how often you're thinking about it that will determine whether you're having a good experience of it or not.
1: Welcome to the Coaching Life Podcast, where we peel back the bullcrap and brush away any photoshopping to give you an unfiltered look at what it's like to live a coaching life. Now, one aspect of this profession that we don't really see much of, it's not spoken about much, is failure. People generally like to hide it, which... In itself is a form of the embellishment actually that inspired this podcast but that's a whole nother story so what happens when you have been working like 18-hour days and sometimes you spend those days working entirely from your bed and building funnels and writing articles and getting distracted perhaps in other ways and occasionally rushing into the city or networking meetings desperately trying to find clients Sometimes waking up, feeling like you've been hit by a train, you've got no energy, you're giving it your all and all without the results you want. Um, what might be the true story behind someone with those experiences who's used the resources available to them to then finally get around to creating the life they really do want? Well, those are the described experience of uh, today's guest. So big warm welcome to Marina Pearson. Hello.
0: Hi Phil, it's really to be on the show.
1: Oh, thank, you for, thank you for joining us, thank you. Um, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you, uh, explore a little bit with you about what shifted in all of that, but um, can you give us a little bit of your backstory? What, what got you into the coaching profession in the first place?
0: Well, it all started really back in well, uh, back about 14 years ago now where um i went through a divorce it was my first one (laughs) Um, and i it was such a painful experience or at least you know i just experienced a lot a lot of pain uh that i started to get curious about what being in a good relationship might look like and i had a bit of a light bulb moment where you know, my behaviours suddenly became very clear to me that part of this was my behaviour and it wasn't always about the other person. So I started... uh, I started getting curious about what makes a good relationship and I actually started to read Harville Hendricks' books, um, Getting the Love You Want, um, Keeping the Love You Know, or I can't remember, but... A certain amount of books. And I started reading them with, with great fascination because I suddenly realized I had an internal world that I'd never really thought about much. Now, you know, 10 years before I had been in a very similar situation, very depressed ex relationship was ready to take my life. And so there was a lot of darkness, um, during my teens, and then throughout my early twenties and thirties, so that there was stuff going on for me that I really didn't talk much about, and I, I thought I was the only one experiencing all of that stuff. And so, I, uh, fate or wisdom, whatever you want to call it, brought me back to to Europe after spending two years in the states uh, with a failed marriage, but a master's degree in music business. And I decided to go back to the to London to where the music industry was, and it was through a few events, meeting certain people that I got thrown into the personal development industry. Uh, and the first one was an event with Christopher Howard, uh, you know. And for someone that didn't even know that there was a personal development industry, it was it was just mind blowing to walk into an arena of one thousand two hundred people jumping up and down like nutters and seeing <sighs> this guy front of a stage changing lives it was just this amazing thing like i'd never experienced anything like that before and everybody started talking about anthony robbins i didn't even know who that guy was and um it was because of that that i then just jumped right in and you know went to loads of seminars i guess you could have called me a seminar junkie and i everybody kind of knew me because i would showing up at all these seminars and stuff like that and it was over time that I realized that I really wanted to support other people in the same vein I really wanted to work with others and I really wanted to um, make a difference uh, because I could see the difference that it was making to my life so I started out coaching musicians and their creativity but soon realized that you know Coaches that have no money is probably not the best way to go. And I dabbled in creating an agency for the industry where we could help record labels um, get an ROI back on their bands, for example, so they wouldn't break up. And they invest so much money into their bands that... um, You know after maybe about two years the band would break up and that would be a massive loss of revenue for for the record label and they had to reinvest in someone else and so forth and so on but the time i didn't have enough confidence so that never really that never really went anywhere Um, and over time i realized that i didn't really want to be in the music industry anymore and that i wanted to break free from that and set up my own coaching practice. And I then went into helping women overcome heartbreak, wrote a really great best-selling book, um, but didn't really get many coaching clients from it. Got a lot of fame, but not a lot of fortune. <laughs> um, and then I realized that that market was was too small for me. Like I I didn't wanna be working with women anymore in that capacity. I was growing myself and I felt like I want to expand into more of a holistic life coaching, lifestyle coaching type of scenario. And so since then, you know, about four and a half years ago, I was experimenting really with working with mums and women in business to help them stop, and listen and trust to their intuition much more than they were. Because that's what happened to me is I came across this understanding that you and I both Uh, share and to understand that I actually had all the wisdom inside of me already was such a big epiphany I didn't know that at the time so I thought it would be really valuable to share that with others and so it was really a question of what made sense to me at the time which was well who do I know who do I spend a lot of time with and who would like to come to an event that's about sitting with your wisdom and it turned out that it was mums and women in business because that's those are the kind of circles i was moving in and then i moved to bali uh so kind of the setup changed. so i was work, doing workshops and i would come back to run the workshops in london i was like five months four months pregnant um i created a program which was called the effortless lifestyle program and i finally got clients and this is a really big breakthrough for me because at the time uh yeah, it was huge. Like I'd never, I was never able to run a workshop that I wanted to run because I was working with clients at the time or very few clients at the time that wouldn't want to show up to workshops or at least that was my belief because they were getting over a, a relationship. They wanted it to be more private. So you can imagine my my joy when when I put this out and I got 22 women in the room and I was like, score and it was amazing because i was like finally finally i get to do the work that i love finally
1: what was what was happening up to that point then marina up to that point i mean you were doing some coaching i mean
0: yes i was charging very little for it um and what was happening was this uh i didn't know that my security and well-being lay in myself i didn't know that that Any feelings uh, could never come from my circumstances or the rejection from potential clients. And I was doing everything to avoid that. So I would build funnels, I would write articles, um, but I wouldn't actually go out actively to get clients because I didn't want to feel rejected. Mm. So I would hide behind this marketing system and then wonder why I wasn't getting any clients. But, you know, what's interesting about all of this was that I actually didn't need to be a coach. I didn't need to run a business. I didn't need to do any of that because I actually had money already. So, you know, I'm not the rags to riches story. So I'm, I'm sorry for anybody that's listening to this podcast that was expecting that. No, that's not been my journey. My journey has been I was, you know, brought up in a very... Um, affluent family where my dad worked his butt off actually more to the point and he invested wisely Mm -hmm. and so I never really lacked anything you know we had beautiful holidays uh, amazing skiing holidays um, incredible opportunities lived in a beautiful home in Hampshire like you know I never lacked in that department and uh, and so When my father passed away, um, I inherited money. Now, you know, Phil, it may seem weird to you, but this has been a really big journey for me to even admit it, by the way. Um, Because there was a lot of shame around not earning that money myself. Because there was this sense that I had to be the one to earn the money. I'd always been very independent. I'd never wanted to see myself as... um, born with a silver spoon in my mouth it there was this there was this shame around it actually and so I hid it and so you know what what happened and I could see it so clearly is when I got to university I'd hang out with people with no money um I I I, you know that I could have chosen to be in the halls of residence with people from public school but I chose not to I went into the halls where Yes, there were people that might be an affluent, but they weren't known as the, you know, the toffs, as it were. Okay. Um, and I remember having a conversation, and, and, you know, and then I got back to London, and I ended up living in a, in the east end of London, actually. Uh, and I thought it was quite cosy. <laughs> now I look back, I'm like, how could I have lived there? Uh, it was small flat with another girl who ended up being a really good friend of mine which is amazing that I met her that way and I'm really glad we. I did live there but it was dark it was dingy I had mice running around and but it was 400 quid a month right and I remember my sister coming to stay with me she slept in the same bed as me and the next day we drove down to see my dad and we had lunch and she goes why do you deny where you come from and it And it hit me right there. And I'm like, oh, what do you mean? She's like, you totally deny where you come from. Like, why are you living in the scholar when you could actually afford to live in a really nice place in the West, West London? Like, why are you living this way? Well, what I realized was, is I was so ashamed by the fact that I wasn't making my own money. I wanted to be the one to do that. And this pattern was carrying on through to my bus- business, the coaching practice. So I wanted to prove to myself that I could. So what was happening? Well, uh, I was working all hours under the sun when I really didn't need to. Um, my dad would occasionally phone up and say, you know, this is before he, he left this plane. What are you up to? You know, why don't you get yourself a prop job? Um, <laughs> And so there was an expectation and I really wanted to prove him wrong, which is definitely not, well, looking back on that now, wasn't a reason for me to go up solo. Um, But there was another part of me that really was inspired to impact and share a message with other people because I'd seen the difference it had made to me. So I was kind of in this um, driving, striving, Because otherwise, if I don't.
1: Oh, I lost you for 10 seconds. Okay. So,
0: um. Pace of striving, driving, I must make money. Because if I don't, uh. Then. This. It means I'm a failure, or it means that I'm no good, or it means that I. I'm not deserving, or it means God knows what I meant. Well, God knows what I what I was was making it mean back then. But I was making life really hard on myself because I was so scared that the investment would run out, and that I would be left with nothing. That at least if I could create something for myself, I wouldn't need to rely on that, right? So that was the thinking I was in, and it was really stressful like it was super stressful at the time because I wasn't making any money because I was spending all my working hours attempting to make it work so I would spend thousands of pounds on courses and strategy sessions and no money like no money no money coming in no clients and I'm like what am I doing all of this for And so that was where I was at when I came across this understanding that you and I both share. And the difference that it made was that my experience started to change around what I was doing. And it even uh, kind of threw me into a different direction because what I got to see was that my life was beautiful already and I didn't need to be coaching and have a business to have a better life. Like there was something in that. And I remember having a conversation with Jamie Smart and he, and he said something, I can't remember what he said, but as far as I was concerned, it was gobbledygook. I had no understanding of what he was talking about, but I went down to make myself a cup of tea and I suddenly had this insight, which is, but for my thinking, would I have a beautiful life? insecure thinking and just suddenly I felt this peace that I never felt before I had felt before but not consciously and so that was the start really of this journey of my relationship to work my relationship to money or my relationship to thinking all of these things and you'd think the crazy thing is, I'm and so this is another thing I don't share very often, Phil, but I want to share it with you because for me, it's super uncomfortable. And I'm all about now just being sharing stuff that is uncomfortable for me because I don't want to be shit. I don't want to feel ashamed about it anymore, which is I'm a millionaire, right? I don't share that very often with anybody. I have assets. Um, I am a millionaire. Yeah, so you heard it here.
1: <laughs> you know what? Time- what I find really fascinating is that even, even with, um, you know, with, with that money, that you're still creating some pressure around money by a story that you're telling yourself, because you know, as we we've sort of spoken a little bit um, off camera, so to speak, that. I'm sure there were people listening to this that once they realized oh okay so marina had got money so therefore she didn't need to earn money from coaching and whatever which is you know to me that's one of the most toxic situations to be in anyway because of our habitual thinking generally around money if we come into the coaching profession really needing to earn money from coaching it does seem to have a very toxic effect on success and so it's really fascinating to see that despite having the money you were you were you were still creating this that same kind of experience right
0: yes so it's crazy now i look back on it i'm like why would why would you do that to yourself um and it was so innocent i mean it, it, i was living a poverty mindset in that here i am living in an amazing house in in hertfordshire just about to get married. Um, affluent and yet experiencing my life totally from lack. Mm. And so I want to share this because a lot of people might think that once I have the money, then I'll be fine. Once I have the money, you know, once I'm a millionaire, then I'll be fine. Well, here, here is the truth. You're fine already, regardless of the money, because... I had money. I have money, and there are days that I get insecure. Uh, and it looks like it's the money leaving my wallet that's making me feel insecure. Because here's the thing: just because you have money doesn't mean you're not going to get insecure ever again. Like this, this myth around once I make it, then everything will be fine is bollocks. It's not bloody true you have to deal with tax bills for example (laughs) or um, your pool has a leak so then you have this yes i know first world problem i have a pool but i also then have a huge bill that comes with that and you go i wasn't expecting that how the hell am i supposed to pay for that so it's not it's not that you get to a certain amount of money and then you're like, yeah, it's over, it's done with, I've arrived. That's bollocks. It's not true. Life is life Life shit happens. And you know, you suddenly, because of a lack of organisation, you might suddenly get a, a, a letter from Liverpool City Council, which is what happened to me recently, saying that because I hadn't put a few papers in on time, I was breach of contract and they could sue me for £30,000. Now, you know, I'm sharing this with you because I really am passionate about shifting this myth that just because you have money, your life is set. It's not true. It's just not true. And um, often the coaches that I've been around think that this is true because they've never experienced what it's like to actually be in the shoes of somebody that does have money and lots of it and they think that that somehow money is the what will uh save them
1: but here's the thing there's a practical aspect to this so we all have bills to pay whether they're for our pool or you know simply to have to pay our local council taxes or what have you right so we that's a fact of that's a fact of this life that we live in we have bills to pay so what do you say to somebody who says well there's a yeah but here you know that yeah but I do need money I'm trying to make a business as a as a coach I do need money to pay my bills what do you what do you say to those people yeah
0: it's really practical I need money to pay my bills (laughs) yeah but that's see it's it's really interesting so my partner and I huge disparity between money right so he would be the coach that has no money he's not a coach but all I'm saying is is he seems to think that somehow he is far worse off than me because he doesn't have money. And so I live with this every day. And what I, what I, what I see is that he is consumed by the thinking around money. Like I used to be. I don't think about money and it doesn't consume me much anymore. In fact, I don't really talk about it we're talking about it today as as things that i've seen but not as a worry not as a consuming me all the time because it used to consume me by the way even though i had money even though i still had you know maybe seven hundred thousand million in, in assets it used to consume me so it's not the money it's how it can cons- it's your oh it's your thinking how much it consumes your energy and your time and how often you're thinking about it that will determine whether you're having a good experience of it or not now we all have to pay our bills Some of us have to pay more than others, but we have the money to do that. So it's all relative. There are certain things that we all have to do. Then there's a whole thing around, yeah, but you've got money. You have choice. Yes. There is something very practical about this, which is I can choose. I can choose to go on holiday. I can choose to stay at home. I can choose to not work. I can choose to spend time with my son if I want to, because I'm not having to um, think about how i am going to make the next dime, But once again, it comes back to you can still spend time with your kids without worrying about money. Because yeah. I used to spend time with my kid, my my son, worrying about money. When I didn't, you look at me and you go, "Well, you don't need to." But that's not the point. But the logistically speaking, it gives you choice. Logistically speaking, um, it gives you time freedom. But somebody who's out of work also has time freedom, right? They've got time.
1: And you can use that time to sit and worry about the money or indeed get creative, which I think is probably what Bingo. we're pointing to here. Yes, how, how, exactly. um, Yeah, how much more creative we can be um, by, by focusing on our, our energy and being of service rather than sitting at home, staying in bed, worrying about money.
0: Yeah, like you're never going to make any money by doing that, right? It's a bit like what I've, what I've seen is I used to worry about not having clients come in. And I used to spend all my time worrying about not clients coming in until the client came in. And now I don't do that anymore. And it's really interesting because now I'm like, oh, I've got time to create stuff. Mm. Yeah. And, and, and so... Create stuff of value, like my podcast, The Joy of Being, that you've, you know, you've been a guest on, and um, other things that I want to create. Time to spend on spending time with my son, so I don't get caught up in that anymore, which is such a relief because it was such a pain in the ass, and it's a bit like worrying about whether that when the next bus is going to arrive. Like you're waiting for the bus, and the bus hasn't arrived, and you're worrying about the bus not arriving. Or you could just talk to the guy that's next to you and just have a really cool experience, or put your Netflix on, or whatever it is, to yeah. just enjoy the wait. Yeah. And I love, and I love, I I love, you know, what my what my um, what one of my mentors said to me. She says, you know, I when I don't have clients coming in, I use it as research and development time. I love that because actually the work is to, to be okay with not doing, actually. The work is to be okay with not having clients. The work is to reduce our insecurity around all of these things so that we can truly properly serve other people.
1: Hmm. So here's the thing, Marina, what's been going on the last couple of years? um during like this reset and reassessing life and working out what you want to do because um from where I'm sitting at least and I might be wrong it doesn't look like we've seen much of you so I'm wondering come on what's been going on
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm just emerging apparently um I went into hibernation I hadn't realized that until today um so I want to take you back to about two years ago now, where I came back from Bali, been living there with my, you know, gave birth to my son there, came back with my ex-husband now. And we were, I was in London for six months. And so I used that time to build up my network again. And I started to, I started to create workshops. um, and, And they were all around sort of different areas of life. There was one called Your Pathway to Love, Pathway to Wisdom, Pathway to Abundance, and Your Pathway to um, Success. And differently themed, two days, and then uh, you could either do a, I called it a uh, Effortless Pass, so you could actually buy them as a bundle, um, or you could join the program that I was running at the time, which was the Effortless Business Program. And That was going really well, like um, we were heading for VAT registration. And what was interesting about this was that it, you know, every year I could see the growth. So I was like, yeah, cool. Every year I could see the growth. Yeah, cool. We doubled every year. So I, I thought the next year it would make sense to think I would double it again. But something interesting happened. So as I became less insecure, I started to enjoy the journey more. I started to really uh, connect with clients, clients that I really wanted to work with. But there would be an occasion where my insecurity would get in the way. And I was definitely overspending in the business. Like I was definitely using the money that was coming in to make more videos, Mm -hmm. use it for Facebook, all that sort of stuff and um, the 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 group work was working really well and then i decided to do one-to-one work and this is where things started to go a little bit awry because i was promoting myself at the time as a coach that could help you effortlessly grow your business now that was a really That was a big mistake from my part because i hadn't really realized the value of a quiet mind i hadn't really realized the value of just that being enough i thought there needed to be more to this that that somehow i could do that because i was growing my own business and so i brought on clients that where it had an expectation had an expectation. And of course, at the time, I was totally naive and thinking, yeah, you know, I can help you grow your business. Of course, you can make your return on investment. I was making some wild claims that looking back, I don't know if I could or not. That would have been a much more sincere approach. But I honestly believed at the time that I could because I had. And it wasn't like I was lying to them. It's I truly believed that they had it in them to do what it took to get the return on investment back. But they didn't. So, got one complaint about the coaching. I then got another client that wanted a refund. And then I wanted another client that wanted a refund and she insulted me all left, right and center. And then another client that wanted a, she started the coaching thing and then she said, I want to pay you less because I don't get, see, I don't, I don't, I'm not really seeing the value. So that all happened within four months. Wow. Wow. There's a lot of tears, a lot of learning. (laughs) And I just, and at the time while all this is going on, my husband, at the time, decided that he wanted to divorce me.
1: Well, yeah, just to give you something else to deal with as well. Yeah.
0: <laughs> God, I'm so glad I can laugh about it now. But at the time, I was not laughing. Hmm. At the time, I felt like a failure. At the time, um, this is about a year and a half ago now, actually. At the time, I felt like, what am I doing? I'm not going to bother. What's the point? Um... All I really, I, the reason why I decided to start coaching was because I really wanted to serve and impact. And all I seem to be doing is pissing people off and um, not making a difference. So I put it all on pause. Um, that was January of last year. <clears throat> I stopped work. Luckily for me, um, I had money and I had two clients that I absolutely adored that would come to Spain and spend time with me so I carried on with them and you know that it was very obvious to me that the transformation was happening so we we carried on that we carried on the journey together and uh because I'd committed to, to finishing you know to finishing that journey with them and I then decided to to spend a month in Bali with my son. Came back, had the summer off really, and then came back to all of this again and and, and revisited it. And realised that my message had been slightly off. That I didn't that I didn't really want to work with building people's businesses because that's actually not my. Um, that's not really where my zone of genius lies. My zone of genius lies in, in creating a space for them to get quiet and reconnecting back to who they are and, and the people that they love. It's not about growing a business. It's about reconnecting back and realising they already have a beautiful life already, regardless of what they think. But they're so busy in striving and pushing and hustling that they've been so distracted with that that everything else in their life just doesn't seem to work. Like, that's working in that they've created something really big, really smart, really inspiring. But if you look at personal life, it doesn't look so great. They don't feel connected to that.
1: And, and you know, it's beautiful. As, as so often happens with us when we go through what... I'm going to do air quotes here. Go through a traumatic time, perhaps, in our lives. And then we, we suddenly... We go through this process of reassessment and reflection and, and, you know, seeing, well, what is it we really want to do? I'm curious, what do you think really attracted you in the first place to thinking, no, no, I want to help people build their businesses? Because clearly that wasn't really in alignment with what you really want. So what do you think that was so alluring about that? <laughs> <clears throat>
0: The pyramid scheme. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> um, money. Yeah. Right back down to that thing of thinking, I see this so often in 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 the coaching circles where coaches coach coaches to build their business because it's all that they think that once they have the money, then everything will be fine. And money is such a carrot. Like it's, it's this carrot that, that's being dangled as like, if I have that, then then my life will be okay. Then I'll be worth something. Then I can have the life I want. But what I've seen, Phil, in, I mean, you know, I'm a pretty courageous type of person. And so I've invested in stuff that's really not worked out at all. Like I've lost a lot of money too, by the way. I've invested in things that now I look back on and like, what was I thinking? um you know i rested in a an oil well back in in, in the states and and for the first few months it, it was doing really well and then it dried up <laughs> <laughs> and um and so yeah i lost you know i've lost money i've i've made money i've um invested poorly i've, I've invested well but what i've seen is that I'm okay regardless of all of those things. Like, my well being really is inside of me. So, I guess I thought that I would have conversations with mums in business, and the thing that they were really wanting to do was grow their business. So, I was like, well, that's what I need to do then. I need to do that then. But I hadn't realized that I didn't want to work with solopreneurs who I really wanted to work with was the ones who were already successful, but they just weren't experiencing a rich full life that they thought they would want with this success that they had been striving for, for all of these years. And it's taken me a while to get really clear on that. It's taken me a while to be courageous and bold enough to go right i need to let that go and reassess and come back to what it is i really want to be doing because i had to own a few things myself phil like um to look at what i have and to go right i know about investing that's something i can definitely talk about i can talk at that level um I definitely know about cryptocurrency because I've invested in that. I'm an investor. Like it's taken me a while to kind of go, oh, okay. That's something that, that that I do. Yeah. Um I'd never seen myself in that way, and I know it sounds really trite, and it's like, well, why does that matter? Well, it was a part of me that's a bit like when my sister said, Why do you why are you running away from who you are, like your root, you know, and, 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 and to, to really own it, like to go, yeah, I am best. Yes. I'm a millionaire. Yes. Um, I live in a beautiful space in, in a villa in Spain. Yes. I'm proud of this. Like it's taken me a while to be proud of it as opposed to be shameful of it and hiding it and going, I'm rich and I have to walk around with holes in my pants, which is basically <laughs> what I used to do, which yeah. And so, because I hadn't made it myself, but here's the thing. Um, so to un- I guess to go back to answering your question was it was alluring because other I could see that this is what mums in business wanted, but what I hadn't what I'd overlooked was the power of stillness and 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 the relaxed mind. And who would value that? Who would actually value it right from the outset, right from the get go? Because that's something I'm really good at. You know, I've spoken to my clients about this and they said the one thing that they that I've been really, is just they, they just feel so calm in my presence. And I wasn't valuing that. I was valuing money growth because that's not, I was speaking to the wrong person. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and I can I, so I can see that really, what's alluring about that, of course, about you know, there's something alluring about the success of the money and what have you. But talking it in the talking about it in the context of this understanding that we that we both explore and and, and work with, it looks to me like okay, so you are helping perhaps your clients reinforce what to them was really an outside-in solution to their feelings of insecurity, and now you're shifting to helping them understand where that's really coming from.
0: Thank you. So beautifully put, I guess I was, cause I was kind of insecure too about it. I hadn't, because what I realized was is that I didn't realize that it's crazy, right? That people who are successful, I just thought that they never really had any insecurity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There was less for them to be insecure about, but that's not true because actually as i've already shared today you know i would say that i'm successful and this is something that's very new for me too because i used to think that i had in in order for me to be successful i had to have a successful business that yeah that, that somehow um that what they would really value is someone who's successful is to actually have a richer, fuller experience of their life as opposed to more money in the bank. Because somehow, yes, they will, I mean, they may be worrying about that still. But I, but I also know that they place value on other things. Other than building their business, because that's they've already done it, you know. So what's the point of having all this money if you can't enjoy it? Yeah, what's the point of having all this money if you can't bloody enjoy it? Yeah, that's the point. Yeah,
1: yeah beautiful. There's one thing I want to just come back to because we kind of we It feels like we've brushed over it, but there might be something there of use to share to people listening to this when things don't go right and clients are, aren't are satisfied with the service that you've given them, is there anything else you can share around that, perhaps logistically, um, how, how you dealt with that, how you dealt with those clients to bring that to a satisfactory conclusion?
0: So I dealt with each client in a different way. Um, One of them I met up with, and we talked about it, and in the end, I gave her part of the refund back. And then the other client, I emailed her, and we had a discussion over email, and she was wanting all of it back, or 50%, and I gave her a little bit. I didn't give her all of it back. So, what I realized was, is that every single client would be different, and depending on what they'd asked for, and what felt right for me at the time, and, What I had to get really clear on was what was my responsibility. Mm. And yes, I went into huge amounts of insecurity about, oh my God, I failed them and they found me out. I'm really not very good at this. What the fuck do I do? I was really hurting actually. Um, But then I realised that they were showing me something, and they were showing me that I needed to get really much more clear on what my actual role was in this um, relationship, what my role was, what my role is. So now um, I make it very clear to them right from the outset, because there was still a sense of like, I don't want to lose them as a potential, I don't want to lose them as a client, and if I'm if I'm if I'm direct with them, I will. That was still going on for me. But now <clears throat> I actually have a piece of paper I get them to sign before we even start the coaching, which is they sign I've I basically stated, This is my responsibility, this is yours responsibility, and I need you to sign it. Because if at any point they're like, You didn't I didn't get the result, it's like, well, you signed this, did you? This is this is your responsibility. If there's anything that I ask you to do, you need to go do that. If there's any action that you want to take and you haven't taken action on that, that's not my responsibility, my responsibility. And so it was really about creating clear boundaries. And that's been a massive journey for me too, which is boundaries and going, what's my responsibility and what's your responsibility? What's your shit? What's my shit? And so that's been another bit of a journey that I've been on too. So getting really clear and also understanding that just because you've got clear boundaries doesn't mean, and if somebody's okay with that, then they're a good fit for you. If they're not okay for that, well, then it doesn't matter. Like I don't want to work with them anyway. Um, So those are a couple of the things that, that kind of occurred to me. Also, the other thing is, I don't make huge claims anymore about yes i can do that for you because i just don't know but what i am certain of is so i don't know and yet i've created a scorecard which they can take at the beginning of this of, of, of the relationship with me and then we can see where they're at by the end so The intention is that they can see it for themselves. So they can start off with going, oh, my God, yeah. And then by the end, we can look at, well, did you shift? If you did, great. Like, where are you now on that scale? And so I find that very useful because we forget how much we've changed. I don't know about you, but I know I I, I don't remember the person I used to be even, like, a month ago, (laughs) or three months ago or four months ago to who i am today so i can't remember that it's quite foggy i can only really experience what i'm experiencing today but yeah um and i've realized i've been in hiding uh because i didn't want to fail anybody anybody again like i haven't really been out there because I hadn't realized until today that I've still been worrying about pissing people off or not, not being as good or, or, you know, as I, as I would love to be. So, there's an emergence coming through at the moment, like I'm emerging again and I'm, yeah, but as a very different person, but also much more clear on who I want to work with much more clear on what I can do for them. Yeah. Mm,
1: Thank you. Well, you know, conscious of the time here. I've just got a couple more questions to you. I mean, I think this has been really useful and I really honor you for coming on here and talking so openly and honestly, particularly about such an emotive subject as money. I think there's a lot here for for people um, who listen to this. So, um, yeah, just a couple more questions. Uh, and I tend to ask these of, of pretty much all of my guests. So if you had a whole bunch of uh, coaches in a room, um, perhaps in the first couple of years of their practice, um, struggling perhaps to create the income they desire and what have you. Um, And you had a 30 second message. What might that be?
0: Came to mind was just tell the fuck out. It's all right.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Yeah. That's certain, that would certainly be up there one of my favourites. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Don't
0: worry so much about it. Like hire a coach to get your, to 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 help you with um, seeing through your insecurities around money. That's what I would say.
1: Yeah, yeah. And then just personally, personally to you, Marina, what is the purpose of what you're doing now?
0: really comes down to one thing which is connection to life others self so i really want others to have a really like they've got to this point where they have got the money thing going down but they've got some stresses and they're still sort of striving and, and and i don't know how to kind of get off the hidden hamster wheel but they don't realize the life they actually have already is the one that they're searching for. So it's almost like this distraction, but if they could only just stop and see and 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 really get still and quiet and really see for themselves the life that they already have and experience it in the way that, that I do or that you know my clients do, then that's really what I want for, for them. Because what I see is that especially if they have kids, because um, I tend to, mums in, in business tend to gravitate towards me, that having a, a much more deeper, more fulfilling connection with their children is something that I would really want for them because they are the next generation and, and it it trickles down. So... The purpose, really, is right back to connection.
1: Beautiful. Marina, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. You're welcome. What a wonderfully honest conversation. I really honour Marina for being willing to come on this podcast and share so openly with all of us. It's fascinating to me how even with some financial security, Marina was still striving to make money for her own personal reasons. Her very own personal story that she was telling herself, putting herself under the same kind of pressures that people without money do, just by way of a different story. Until, of course, she realized otherwise. And beautiful to witness her confession around her current financial status. So, here's an invitation to you to notice your own thinking about Marina's story. What's your story about Marina? And is that story actually true? Can you know? I loved her honesty too around what had her effectively go into hibernation and the process of dealing with that. Wonderful that she is now much clearer about what she wants to do and what works. We all get to witness the reemergence of the lovely Marina that's fantastic. Thank you for your messages and feedback about these conversations. I always love to hear from you. I do appreciate that. And if you are enjoying this podcast, please pop along over to iTunes and leave a brief and honest review. It will take you less than a minute and it'll help other people like you find this podcast and get an opportunity to enjoy these conversations too. Thank you once again for listening. Until next time, I wish you much love and joy.